Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Go Time Podcast. The meeting place of industry leaders, elite athletes, and game-changing individuals from around the world. Here we explore the grit, guts, and mental fortitude required to succeed in business, competition, and life that you've been looking for. So stop looking and start listening. It's Go Time with Brendan O'Reilly and Todd Martin. Hey, today we're doing an intro to Brendan O'Reilly. <laughs> um, so this is be kind of a cool interview because, for one, um, you know we've known each other for a little while now, mm-hmm. and we're actually like spending a lot of time together. And but there's still like a lot of history I don't know about. You yeah. know, like from um, I know you're not uh from new zealand (laughs) (laughs) yes correct yes and you're not uh a new englander um but um but you know there's a lot of things that um you know i think you learn from each other over time Mm. and over uh experiences together right and so this is kind of like a really kind of a fun weird but cool deal of being able to like go and ask you you know Whatever I want. Well, yeah, you're on it. You're on the, <laughs> you're interrogation, on the yeah. interrogation table. Yes. So let me smooth the spotlight onto you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we've done one earlier with me, and I don't even remember it. <laughs> yeah. Now I forgot we'd done it, but uh, I just remember we were going into some good stories, and it made it. I enjoyed that because it made it put things in context, you know, for me of like yeah. the story. I guess, yeah, learning more about people's life story puts things in context of why they're passionate about what they're passionate about and and what led them to where they are. And I yeah. guess that's what we love. I think that's what we love as humans is storytelling. Hey, like yes. when, when you look back at hundreds and thousands of years ago, it was always in the smaller little towns and tribes of people sitting around telling s- stories. Well, and I think that nowadays one of the things that we've lost out on is is context. Mm. You know, like, uh, you know, defining, you know, having a hard line def- definition of words, you know, that, you know, I can say one word and it means something different to you or whatever mm. else. Like there's words, you know, there has to be, there has to be context mm-hmm. and there has to be, um, you know, a baseline of understanding on stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you know, um, we've spent enough time together when I'm joking and then still, I'm sure there's sometimes where, you know, you're like questionable. <laughs> I hope that was a joke. <laughs> um, but, uh, but this is, that's why we're doing this is to be able to get a little bit of background from each one of us yeah, about each other. Yeah. Um, and, and for, for us, so we understand backgrounds and also for like the listeners so that they, yeah. we want, we want you guys listening to feel like, you know, us well and come along on the journey with us as we're talking to our guests and, if we're asking questions from a certain perspective, you understand why we feel that way or why we have a certain view because of what shaped us, which yeah. is our stories. Yeah. So. And and to, you know, in a culture nowadays of being offended about everything, you know, just mm-hmm. not being offended. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, and yeah. to where you know where it's coming from. So speaking of where it's coming from, mm-hmm. um, so what Texas town did you grow up in? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I was born in Texas. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, obviously I'm from Australia and, uh, and a place that I is 
very close to my heart and I'm very passionate about Australia. I'll probably get into that later in just the things I love about Australia and whatever. It'll be like an Australian promo. But uh, yeah, I was born in a in Australia and grew up uh, with the most amazing parents that anyone could hope for that I'm so grateful for. And my uh, an older sister, she's 18 months older than me, who was, uh, yeah, a great sister as well. So obviously we went through our through the phase as kids do of like having our little tiffs and, you know, like all that sort of jazz. So is your sister the one that motivated you to want to fight? 100, 100%, dude, 100%. <laughs> you got 100. picked on by a girl. Yes. <laughs> so I just, I remember when I was, one of my first memories of life is, uh, is when I was little, my dad and my pop, my granddad, uh telling me you know i guess i must have been in a little fight with my sister and pushing her and whatever and they were like no no you can never never hit a hit a girl hit a woman and never even you can't even do anything can't push them don't ever put hands on them we don't do that like we're man we don't do that yeah so i just was like from that day i was like well i can't do it so if my sister would light me up tara with <laughs> Tara is your Tara. Tara. Yeah, we 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 say Tara like in Australian it comes out as Tara, but I guess here you gotta say Tara. She was a Tara to me. Well, uh, so you know, crazy. My sister's name is Tara. No way. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> and she was a Tara. <laughs> yeah, the same. Yeah. So she picked on me too. Yeah. And she so, was my little sister. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> Tara is now smaller than me, but uh, uh, she was eighteen months older than me, and uh, yeah, she would. Oh man, she's. She's tough. She's uh, she's you know petite and beautiful and all that, but man, she's tough. Like if she wanted to have been in the UFC, she could have been. And uh, but yeah. So anyway, I'm getting off track. So so yeah, they told me that, and uh, so I couldn't ever fight back. So I would just have to like get my gut cover up. I guess maybe that's what gave me a good chin, and uh, and and yeah. So I'd have to deal with that, but. But we, for the most part, she was my best. First, she was my first best friend in life, as siblings usually are. And then, uh, yeah. and then, yeah. So I was lucky enough to grow up with just the, the most amazing family I could hope for, which is uh, what gave me, I think, a lot of strength and confidence to have done the things that I've done. So some people are pretty uh, surprised to hear that, considering when. Well, you know, the fact that I fought in the UFC, a lot of people think that I must have come from a really tough background, like physically tough and um, that sort of thing. And I couldn't have come from a more loving household, you know, yeah. and supportive household. So that's, I was lucky, lucky to have that. Yeah. So hmm. that's mm -hmm. really, you know, it's, it's funny. It's kind of a, a, a bit of where um, my background was too. Mm. Is like I had, I had a really cool family. Mm. A, a younger sister and and uh and parents that were like great yeah you know, i didn't have i really didn't have any you know real struggles yeah you know those kind of deals yeah growing up yeah and i guess like so you like me it's not i don't think that's a, i think that's obviously a wonderful thing if you're blessed enough to have that as long as you seek out some challenge yourself, you know, mm -hmm. um, which you did and I did um, in just the pursuits, you know. So I think I, I, I'm grateful every day for the loving family that I had, but I also sought out some challenge and resistance in 
external challenges, um, which was a great balance for me. So I had that love and support from my family. And then I had the challenges externally from martial arts and other things I've done that then if I needed support, my family was there, but I still had that resistance in life that made me get better and, and, and internalize some struggles. You know, if, if yeah. things are tough, you have to think about how do I do this? I had a bad day yesterday. I've got to turn up again tomorrow and do it again and do it again and do it again and not hide away from hard stuff. So, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. so like, did your mom and dad, um, were they the kind that, you know, like, um, like travel to the competitions and do yeah. all that kind of stuff? Yeah, they were. So, so, um, actually, so here's a funny story I've forgotten until now. Uh, well, I actually started jujitsu when I was probably like six years old, but um, and my sister did too. But it was it was Japanese jujitsu, right? So there's like striking and throws and whatever. And uh, my sister just beat me up, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like, and I and I remember. I don't think she knew that maybe there is no rules in Japanese jiu-jitsu, I don't know, but I remember one time there wasn't she any just, rules with she, 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 yeah, she, she was no rules in hers. Hers was like street rules and she kicked me, uh, you know, where no man wants to be kicked. And I was like, that's it. If this is jiu-jitsu, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not here to be just like disgraced by my sister, you know. So that was, we, that was not long lived. So martial arts in that sense, I started it early, but I stopped it early too because Tara just crushed me. Um, so, so my first like real sports that I played was rugby league and rugby union at the same time. I played them like uh, league. I was playing for a club and that was my fam, like my extended family. It was their thing. Um, and my mum grew up in a family that was really a part of that. My pop, like her father, he played at quite a high level. Um, he played for Queensland and his brothers played for Queensland and one of his brothers played for Australia. Queensland's the state I'm from. So, uh, and, um, and he coached at a high level. So in my extended family on mum's side, they were all really into that rugby league. And, um, and then for my school that I went to, I played rugby union. So it's like a pretty, they're like similar, similar, but not the same. There's some pretty distinct differences, you know? Huh. So it'd be like, um, it'd, it'd be like raining and cutting. Like they're, oh, okay. so to, to someone watching from the outside who doesn't really know, they're like, they're pretty close, you know, like they're pretty much the same thing. Yeah. But obviously the, the higher you get, the more there's a lot of differences. So you could get a guy that can do both, but then you also get most people are going to specialize in one or the other. So hmm. that's, that's sort of as close as they are. Um, so yeah, I was playing both growing up and that was my, that was my thing. And um, I, I just, I loved it. And I was like, I want to do this as a job. And so to answer your question about parents driving me to things, yeah, they were always driving me to games and I was training uh, as I got more as an older teenager and like pretty serious, I was training like uh, four days a week. So I'd train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I'd play Friday night and then play Saturday and then have Sunday off and then repeat. So my parents were driving me to all those things and sitting there watching training, but they also love it. Yeah. Oh man. <clears throat> They're yeah. all into it too. 
my mum and dad watch more sport than anyone on earth. I think they like set their alarms and they'll get up at 2 a.m. to watch the Tour de France on TV. Really? And yeah. Like they, they love sport, anything, anything that's gone. But as long as like, if, especially if there's an Australian in it, they still watch everything, but if there's an Australian in it, so whether it's Wimbledon, like tennis, they'll get up and watch Wimbledon at 2 a.m. as well. If there's an Australian, um, they'll watch the Tour de France at, all through the night. There's times when I'll call them and they're super tired because they've been up all night. They went to bed at 5 a.m. because they've been watching the Tour de France or something. So wow, they love sport. Huh. Yeah. Does your mom and dad still play sports or? No, they don't. They just, uh, they're pretty busy. Um, they're so, they're just so involved in family life. My sister has some twins now, my nephews. Uh -huh. um, she has her husband, Zach. Uh, he's a good buddy of mine too. And um, so they've got twins and mum and dad are pretty busy looking after them and just they're really involved in like community sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're just always, they're, I don't know where they get the energy from, but they're always involved in that sort of stuff. So it's good. Yeah, That's cool. When was, so when did you get back into uh, jujitsu? Or what, what, like, where did you, when did your path kind of start changing and go heading towards, man? Yeah, it was a mixed martial arts. It was a funny turn of events. So, I, so as I said, like through high school, I was uh, playing football at a pretty high level. And um, so rugby league was my real, the thing I was really passionate about. I was playing union because it was my school played that and I enjoyed it. But I was obsessed with rugby league and that was my, my life, you know. And uh, in my last year of high school, I got I was lucky enough to get um, like a contract with one of the professional clubs in Australia um, to just to sort of start playing on their reserve teams. So you basically go into their program and they start training you up and all the teams are running like similar plays or playing with the same style so that, if they need a guy, they just push you up the ranks and you go into that. So I was obviously that was to me, that was like the start of a dream come true. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. I'm going to be playing, playing football for my living. And, uh, at the same time though, I was, uh, rodeoing. So I was doing, um, saddle bronc riding back then because my pop, uh, my mum's dad, who was like my best friend growing up, he, it's so funny. Like, I obviously had a bunch of friends, but my best friend that I always wanted to hang out with was my pop, you know, <laughs> and he, uh, he would, would hang out after school and he was also, he was a horse, he was a race horse trainer and he was also a football coach. So hmm. all I wanted to do was whatever he was doing, you know? So, um, I had a horse through high school. I had a horse that I boarded somewhere and he and I would like meet there after school and like muck around with this horse. And then, go to play football so i was li literally doing that and uh so after school straight up something my year after school something just told it was really strange and i still can't really explain it but um there was some to me some weird stuff was going on with like the culture in the game a little bit um just that just didn't really like resonate with me and um and I remember one of my high school teachers near the end of my last year of school, he, he was saying, I don't know why he said this to the class, but he said, you're going to be, you're going to end up uh, the, the average of the, the five people 
the, that you hang around the most, you know? So be careful who you want to spend time around. Hmm. And, uh, and I just remember something just told me and because of like the, what was going on in the game at the time, <clears throat> like culturally, um, which obviously like I, I still in, I love watching rugby league now and I don't put any of that onto the players, you know, now or the game now. But at the time there was just something that told me like inside that this, this isn't where I want to, the path I want to be on anymore, even though I dedicated my whole sort of like life to it to that point or my, you know, my teenage life anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I thought like, I'm either, if I, if I follow this path in this career, then I'm either going to be have to become like fall into that culture, which I know I wouldn't do because I'm real, I'm like hard headed when I decide it's not happening, or I'm going to be fighting my whole life or my whole career against what I'm part that what I'm part of, you know. So I just stopped that one day. I stopped um, and I just said I'd had uh, I just sort of like got a manager, and so I thought I was at like, big time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I actually didn't think I was big time. I was kind of didn't know what it was meant to do. But uh, I just remember saying to him, because we were talking about re-signing with that that club that I was talking about or, or looking at other options. And I just said, I think I'm going to stop. And he and he said, like, stop playing for that club. And I said, no, just stop playing altogether. And he was like, what are you going to do? And I, I just was like, I don't know, but not this, you know. But... It was, it was, I, I still don't really, uh, have never regretted it because it was a decision like made for my soul, not, not for any other reason. I just knew that that wasn't what I was meant to do. Mm. So I went to university the next year and I, I did a, uh, I went to an agricultural based university, um, the university of Queensland in the Gatton campus. It's like all ag type stuff and animal science. So I, I, got my um, bachelor's degree in production animal science, which was, it sounds fancy, but it's like a lot of hands-on, like you're out working with uh, livestock. You're an and, educated rancher. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're an overqualified uh, rancher. No, but it was it was great. It was I loved it. I, I really loved the study, but I also loved the, uh, the hands-on stuff. So I was doing that and still kind of rodeoing through those early years of, of um, university and I just liked I because of my time growing up with my pop and and just my passion that I got from him about horses I loved that and I didn't know exactly the like the exact path I wanted to do um but I knew that I wanted to be in that area in that field and um and then so I would Outside of university hours, I'd go like ride some horses for people in the area or whatever. If they'd had something that was just broken in and they just wanted it ridden for miles, I would go ride it around and just just enjoy it. And then this is sort of like the turning point. Um, this is the turning point where things really sort of like change direction is um, the horse flu, like equine influenza hit Australia really bad in that year. I guess it, it must have been 06 or 07 um and it just kind of shut down the whole it really like shut down the horse industry or really really affected it so it it actually reminded me a lot of what we're going through with the pandemic now which Mm. is um you know like the travel restrictions and all that sort of thing quarantine but it was just horses right 
Well, you know, that's crazy too, because that's like, um, you know, I know that like for the rodeo that we just did the interview with them, right? Uh -huh. That um, people are like, oh, you know, like we're all idiots about, you know, the way we're going around. Like the agriculture community has dealt with pandemic situations yeah. <laughs> over, you know, quite a long time. Yeah. We're all quite used to, you know, making sure that we, you know, keep distance and all yeah. that. Like, that's what we do. Exactly. Quarantine yeah. your horses. What is quarantine? Quarantine is 14 feet. Quarantine's yeah. not like, you know, yeah. hiding your house. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's, it's, and that's exactly. That's and just being an overeducated ranch. Knowing it's you how to handle a pandemic. Yeah. And, know? That, and that's what happened. So that happened in Australia and it was like a hardcore, like, you know, quite a, well, when I say hardcore, not what we're going through now. <laughs> But uh, it's Australia, I believe Australia is the only country to ever uh, successfully eradicate like horse flu wow. by, by just having um, good protocols when it came to, you know, quarantining the horses. But so it meant that I couldn't keep going around to various places, riding horses and stuff. So I was kind of twiddling my thumbs. I wasn't playing football anymore. And now I wasn't kind of like riding horses. And I uh, I had been boxing. I, fa I forgot to mention, I had been boxing for couple of years like amateur boxing and uh then some one day a buddy of mine at university showed me this on dvd of george st pierre highlights so this was actually before gsp's peak it, he was still like coming up he was a contender but he was super exciting and um he was really exciting when he came in that's right? the thing and and like so people now look at gsp and they go they say i mean he's amazing and no one denies that but they look at his he won a lot in the end of his career because of his control and his dominant wrestling and his great decision-making. But when he came in, he was just like a gunslinger, really. Yeah. He was doing his spinning kicks and... Yeah, uh, the crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw that and I was like, what's this? I didn't even know what MMA was. And they said, it's called mixed martial arts. And I was like, yeah, okay, I, I could do this. And then they said, well, there's a, there's a fight. Like there was a... It was only like a few months in a few months and they said you could be on it and i was like okay what do i got to do and they told me this place to start turning up to and start training and uh in in in, in brisbane yeah and i was like it was in so this the gym was in brisbane i was living in gatton which was like west of there and uh and so i i started my family lived there that's where i grew up anyway so i would go in to visit them and just train maybe once or twice a week at this place. And then when I was back out in, in Gatton in the country, I would just do, run and like hit the bag and do crazy like rocky things, you know, like. See if I can do this spinning. Yeah, I would just make things up. It was so bizarre. Like it was just like self-coaching to a degree. And anyway, I uh, had my first fight and won. And, um, and, and yeah, the rest is history. But the. The dude that I fought, like in one of my in my first fight, I think was like a kung fu monk. <laughs> dude, yeah. So I just was like, man, and I was basically like a dude who played football and rode Bronx and boxed and just thought I was, I was just like, well, you know, yeah, I, you know, I'm gonna give you a literally Friday night fights. It was like Friday night <laughs> fights. It was just like a dude that thought he was a badass versus a guy who was a monk and probably a lovely guy like i think he was a lovely guy and i was just like not on my watch pal take <laughs> uh, your monk stuff did he dress like a monk um not in type like <laughs> yeah like i don't know what monks dress like but like i mean he wasn't 
Uh, yeah, okay. Yes, he was dressed <laughs> largely like a monk. Yes. Is there a video of this? <laughs> I bet I could find it. Uh, I bet I could find it and we'll share it. We'll share it. I want to see it. I'll find it and we'll share it on the uh, on our social media. Oh, my God. Sometime. That so would you guys be so watch fun. Out. That would be so yeah, fun. Apparently, and this made me feel even worse because I beat him. I, I choked him out in a minute, um, the poor guy. But apparently, like, all the money that he earned, he had to give um, to the head of his monk, uh, whatever uh, it's group. called, monk group, <laughs> and uh, head monk. The head, he had to give it to the head monk, and then like, and then he would get rice and beans. Was like, so he, he didn't get to eat because yeah, you beat him. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> and I, and like, I still, I still feel bad about that. that doesn't I sound like, right. Yeah, so I don't know. Look, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how legit the monks were. Like, he was a lovely guy, it seemed. Ah, he missed weight. That's why I was angry at him. So he missed weight by a lot. uh, By, (laughs) I think it was meant to be a 170-pound fight, and he was like 185. Well, it probably worked out good for him because he got restricted from the beans and rice. (laughs) (laughs) Wait next time. He made weight for the next one. But... (laughs) But yeah, apparently this is no joke. I'm not making this up, man. Let me tell you how. This was the wild west. So, so here's the thing with Australia, right? We're a little bit like our trends will generally be in a couple of years or more behind here. It's it's less now because of social media and stuff. It's like very up with it. But back then, if something was happening here, it might come to Australia in a few years. So back then, there was no like. Uh, sanctioning body of mma it was byo gloves dude i bought my own gloves to that fight and like nobody checked them no one checked them and i didn't wrap my hands because i didn't know that was a thing so So it was a bare knuckle uh, like so there was four ounce gloves over bare knuckles and those four ounce gloves had like they were months old i mean they were the only gloves i had so this guy was Essentially, and bare knuckle to the face. <laughs> I was, I was probably wearing. It was a, the equivalent of wearing like a calfskin glove. God, just punching dude. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but that's. You know what? Like, I look back. There's some of my favorite memories because I always, I, I start preaching to young guys now who want to do MMA. Like when I started, it wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. It wasn't even. Uh, it wasn't even a thing. People didn't even know about it. So if I said oh, I did MMA, they would they would didn't know what it was, and um, and so if you were doing it, you were doing it for the love and for the for me it was for the challenge to be to just just to see if I could do it, you know. Right. And then if someone told me <clears throat> someone told me I forget until I start telling the story I forget. But if someone told me now like yeah when you're a young when you're a young man you're gonna fight a monk in a in a tavern with uh you know like pretty much no rules you know like there's there's rules but it's very like open to your interpretation and the wayans was on like a bathroom scale and basically he missed so he missed weight and they're like and they're like well brennan he's over by a lot (laughs) do you wanna do you wanna still do it and i was like i didn't know that there was an option not to like that's the thing like guys i see guys now getting butt hurt that their opponent missed by a pound or whatever and i'm like man i didn't know that you could turn that down because sorry like i thought we were fighters you know yeah. <laughs> like, 
I didn't I didn't know that there was so funny. You know, the first time I ever saw I guess it wasn't real it wasn't like mixed martial arts, right? It was um it was just what they called it. Um I don't remember what they called it. So there was a time that um there was a, a country and western bar. Mm-hmm. It's called uh the Blue Bonnet Palace, mm-hmm. right? Is where we used to go. And they had indoor bull riding, right? Oh, dang. Yeah, and they have that now too, right? But this was back, holy crap, man, it's like date myself. So this was back in the um, 80s, early 80s, mid 80s, right? And they had um, this huge dance hall, country, Western dance hall. And then in the back part, they were like the, where all the kids were at, it was like, you know, rock and country. And, and then, off to the side they had bull riding and so like mm. there was a one part where they'd have like you know 15 bull riders and then they'd come back and would dance and whatever else and we'd go back and watch another 15 bull riders whatever but it was all in the in there and well then once a year they had this deal out in the back out in the big parking lot out back mm. and it was called um i'm trying to think of what it was called but i think but what it was was they had um the sororities mm. from up, uh, or not sororities, <laughs> the sororities are the girls. <laughs> <laughs> they had the fraternities. The, so the college fraternity kids yeah. from the college up, I think it was like San Marcos or in San yeah. or wherever, right? But the college uh, fraternities, the fraternity boys would have a fight night and they would get to fight anybody that wasn't in a fraternity, right? <laughs> or against other fraternities too, right? Yes. But they put up this, like a boxing ring out yeah. in the back and it was just, uh, and there was just as many fights in the stands yeah. as there was. Yeah. And, and of all people who took me, my dad. <laughs> yes. That was so great. That's awesome. And, and we went to it and it was just, it was absolutely hilarious. And I remember doing that with my dad and watching the, and they would have, it was weight class. It wasn't weight class. No, it was no, like, no. you want to? Yeah. You want to? Okay, go. Yeah. And, you know, then you had the, all the, you know, greasers on this side, you know, cheering against all the fraternity yeah. boys and, oh my God, it, that was hilarious. But it yeah. sounds like, Something like that. That's exactly the that's, bar. In the that's back. very much what it was. What it was like in the early days. And uh, so I, I'm so grateful for that because man, just just there's certain things in my uh, that I've done that I've done by accident or just maybe not accident, you know, but it, that just taught me a lot of it to to where so like just that just fighting fighting wild west side style. Yeah, fighting a monk in a tavern, you know, and like where I didn't even know you could turn down uh, if the guy missed weight by a whole weight division, and I was it was nearly bare knuckle, and then and and even some of the like the rodeo stuff at some of the the real way out bush rodeos that I've gone to with my buddy, shout out to Terry Wicks, uh, who also cornered me in UFC fights. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's like a bull bullfighter and a bull rider, and I just. Sometimes I'd be like, man, just come corner me. I just want the company. Because this dude would just ha- go do any. If you say anything, he's like, yeah, good idea. <laughs> Everybody so, needs that. Yeah. So he's just like, yeah, you're just your hype man. It's just you. Yeah. 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 He's just like the guy that if you. So if I was in a in a city for a fight that I didn't know, and you just you know, I don't I don't want to be going exercising all day and wearing myself down, but you just want someone to hang out with. I would just take Terry Wicks. <laughs> But he's from a town with zero people in it. <laughs> so uh, shout out to Cool New South Wales. Nah, there's I don't know how many people. 
in there, but it's a small town. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we've gone to some bush rodeos where it's a wild setup. It's like the equivalent of fighting a monk, you know? Like you don't know what are you getting on here. You don't know if you've got no idea. Though a horse or the bronc or the the bull you're getting on, it could be a really good like it's it's bred for for bucking, or it could be running out of some guy's paddock. It's like his herd bull, or it could be like <laughs> Jersey you just, cow. You just don't know what it is. <laughs> So it's just uh, so, and you, yeah, the problem is you could be going there thinking you're getting on a Jersey cow, and then it turns this out is to a be, man eater. They yeah, they scored a man eater, and so it's all like a bit. Um, you know, I look back at it as like it's funny, but I think it was all it all helped me that when I when I, once I got to the elite level in the OC, things didn't bother me that if they didn't go to plan where other people it might bother you know like yeah. they need like that perfect whatever perfect oh, lead, lead up, up whatever i was just <clears throat> I, I was pretty sure in the in the chain in the change rooms right before my fight because i was so used to just weird stuff like that and i didn't know that i it's not like i'd planned it or whatever but i guess it's just um it's just you know it gets you overly ready for things just being wacky and well, you, had, you had said that before about um i think we mentioned somewhere before in one of our interviews or something or just one of our bs sessions yeah. um, about um how in the warm-up room beforehand mm. how that would crush a lot of other new guys coming in and they oh, would yeah. see somebody you know being oh yeah you know hauled out on a gurney or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden like it's like oh god you know this yeah. has come to it's real you know or i'm mm -hmm. you know something and and how that would kind of you know kind of jack with your head before you went yeah. into, the, into the deal and then i can imagine like i uh, the, the worst um the worst thing i ever saw was um in in the in a ufc fight was whenever i can't remember what his name is now um you'll remember who i'm talking about but he had a tv show called uh bully beatdown oh yeah jason miller mayhem miller. mayhem yeah yeah and 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 how you know he would he went when he came back in and he had actually had a fight in the ufc right mm. the 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 worst example of or the best example of um of adrenaline dump mm. i mean like oh you could just see it and he could and, and you could see that he just like completely gassed mm -hmm. and it, and you know, it didn't matter what his skill was or whatever. He just had like dumped so hard. Mm -hmm. He had nothing. Yeah. I mean, he literally had nothing to offer for the, for the fight. Yeah. And, and, and the sad part is it doesn't showcase, you know, the guy was good. Yeah. I mean, and he had skill and he had all that and, 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 you know, and it was a terrible point for him to be in. Um, but you know, because he didn't get to show what he could do because of that adrenaline dump, but yeah. I can imagine how that would like, just, you know, kill somebody going in there that you've worked all this time to get to this point. I mean, like, yeah. to get to that point, how they handled that situation. Yeah, you know? man. Yeah. That would be, I was lucky. Uh, once I was in the UFC, like I never got that. And, uh, you, I, I would always hear people talk about the octagon jitters, you know, for their yeah. first fight. So that'd be a really, you know, they'd have a good record and they've made it to the UFC and then they, something goes wrong for their first fight because it's that, as the, they call it, the octagon jitters, where it's just the pressure of being in the UFC. And I was lucky I never got that. So once I was in, I, I may like maybe a little bit, I don't know when I was in the ultimate fighter. I, I definitely didn't perform well in my fight in that, but I think it wasn't 
it might have been partially that, but I think it was more like my first experience of like real jet lag, mm. um, which was like a cra- uh, when we when I was on the Ultimate Fighter, <laughs> our plane. Our plane, uh, we, we were flying to Canada because the season I was on was filmed in Canada and our plane hit a flock of geese. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we had to like land in a different place to where we were meant to and then stay a night or two there. And so we ended up running late um, to getting into the thing. And, oh, wow. and so, and then obviously, cause it's a TV show, they're still running on a schedule. So things just nothing. Yeah. There's a cost just for didn't... being late. Yeah. And, um, and so, and it turned like, I ended up being, uh, like it all, it ended up being like the perfect storm. <coughs> and I see it as like a really positive thing. Like, uh, I ended up being the first fight and yeah, I, we were all feeling jet lag. I mean, I don't think I've ever felt jet lag like this. And I think, that it had to do also with the nerves. We were all nervous and we were all, our whole team, we flew there together, but a lot of us didn't know each other yet. We were all getting to know each other and we were getting to know, everything was new. We didn't know anything about the show, the filming process, anything. So there was all that. And then the jet lag was just kicking our butts, you know, like I'd be awake all night staring at the ceiling and then as you know, six or 7 a.m., like when time to wake up, you're ready to go I, would to just, I would be ready to go to bed and we'd have to go, we'd be on training. So I was just like, oh no. And then I was, uh, I was the first fight. And I remember, I just remember being like, yeah, no, I feel great, like saying it because I, so one quote, I don't know where I heard it. I don't even know if it's a real quote. Maybe I'm making this up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a, a good leader's gonna, uh, going to share their courage and, and hide their fear. You know, I'm not, I'm not big on like always hiding fear. I think it's good to talk about and express it, but there's a time and a place. And, and I feel like if you're in a leadership position, like your first cab off the rank in a fight team, you're not going to tell everyone you're scared because they're, they were all, all my teammates were also feeling jet lagged, you know? So yeah. I was like, nah, I feel great. You know? And I was trying to convince myself that too, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh anyway so my fight was pretty at very average very bad and um but what where i feel it was like a blessing in disguise was it kind of took the pressure off i was like man i I already lost early in the thing and i got two i can make two choices here i can i can just throw the towel in and and have a have a cry to myself and say that i was jet lagged and it wasn't fair Mm -hmm. and it was this and that and get nothing out of it or i can be here for eight or 10, I think it ended up being 10 more weeks or something like that with some of the greatest coaches around, you know, like the, some of the best influences that we can, that I can get early in my career, like, um, and, and I can make the most of it, you know, and I just <clears throat> get something out of it. Dude, I just attacked that opportunity. Really? Oh, I, I like every single day. I was like try, trying to train the hardest, out train everyone, outwork everyone, and ask questions and get the most out mm-hmm. of it. And I and I developed more in that eight weeks after that loss that I could have used as an excuse, you know. And mm-hmm. um and honestly, that was like a turning point for me in my career, of like mentally. So it's it's funny. I think you see that in a lot of people. Right? Yeah, like I it definitely because people go, man, did you? So you're in the UFC, so you won the show, and I'm like, no, I didn't win the show. But like, that's not you see that, and you see that more and more in in coming out of the Ultimate Fighter series is it's not always the guy 
there's been guys that won the show that had huge success, like Michael Bisping and sure. like Rashad Evans and those guys. But there's also guys that didn't win the show that also had great careers, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was just like that ability to turn uh, what some might see as a negative into a positive. It really like it was a turning point in my career. You know, and the, the opinion sometimes from the outside is, just, you know, oh, you didn't or whatever else. Like, man, that's such a lack of knowledge because mm. it, you know, that is it, it is everything is an opportunity to grow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and to that you you know you have the presence of mind to be able to to, to pursue that in that moment. It's yeah. Like big. It's yeah. Really big. Yeah. Especially like considering I was. I wasn't, yeah, I was probably 25. Like, so I wasn't young, young, but also like, yeah, for a 25 year old, I guess, to have that mindset when you're away from any of your usual, like, uh, coping mechanisms, you know, like coaches and family. Well, and I think that's like <clears throat> growing up, you know, a benefit that you had is growing up in a sports minded family. Yeah. That, you know, I think when people grow up with the idea that, um, that, losing is 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 not an option or that losing is not part of winning i mean like that's just so ridiculous you know that that uh, i think one of the best things about sports you know for kids growing up and like Mm. and you know in the situation they're in now where they were limited on playing and doing some of that stuff it's not because all of our kids need to become you know the next you know make the next you know top league of doing something but Mm. but more of it like learning and and getting an education of <clears throat> that to win doesn't mean you're first place all the time. Oh yeah, hundred you know? percent. Yeah, I mean that there is there is winning in participation. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean there is, and and uh, to to not get belittled by that. Yeah, you know? and and the struggle. I was I'm so grateful that that how I grew up and how my parents taught me was so much like that about like the the effort is more important than the, the result, and yeah. that's like. Uh, and um and that's not I, like i hate that there's a saying i've heard and i kind of i don't i get it but i i get what they're saying but it, for me it doesn't sit the real right that one where they say oh you show me a good loser and i'll show you a loser well it's like man no because i was always uh, that's a terrible saying yeah it's a terrible <laughs> saying and uh i i get it in that you have to have a champion's mindset that you're always trying to win and i do but i was also raised like how you handle a loss in my family mm-hmm. was always more important than a win. Yeah, because it's a character builder. A hundred percent. And and my family was so much more, they would put so much more emphasis on someone who was a gracious, whether they were a gracious winner or a gracious loser, mm-hmm. that was more important than someone who won and, 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 and like let it go to their head. Yeah. Um, so, so the heroes that I had just because of the how I was brought up were always people that whether they won or lost were really gracious about it mm-hmm. and then would still uh you know they never let it go to their head they would still talk to the uh talk to the public and whatever and I meant when I uh when I was in the UFC I made this rule because I remember when I was little actually and it's funny what things <laughs> like change you and shape you that you forget <clears throat> until you're telling the story like I forgot this till I was just telling this story now but I remember when I was fairly little I was probably 10 no i was probably 12 um i was i must have been at a football game and i was asking some guys to sign something everyone was you know there was all these fans around and i asked this one guy and he was like nah i'm I'm done like and he just walked off and uh i just remember how it made me feel 
that like I, I'd been a pest, you know, to him. Mm. And uh, but then as I got older, I was like, hang on a minute. The only reason that guy has a job is because of the fans. You know what yeah. I mean? If no one's watching that sport, that guy has no job. And uh, and I just remember that feeling of how that made me feel never left me. And I so I made this rule that I would never not hang out, with, do something with fans. You know? So yeah. so I remember after one of my fights and it was like it was a tough it was a tough fight it went the distance and it was like the worst weight cut of my life and i was feeling like man i wanted to go to hospital level not i didn't like not only was it hard to sign autographs i wanted to be going to the hospital and uh, i stayed for like two and a half hours after everyone was gone signing stuff and getting photos and whatever because i just was i just was so grateful that i had a job because these people cared enough mm -hmm. to watch what i was doing so mm. It, um, it's funny the stuff that shapes you like that. But yeah. yeah, if I have one thing that I left or I wanted to leave and I think I did it pretty well more than, you know, like I know I wasn't world <laughs> champ, I wasn't the UFC champ or any of that, but I know that everyone had it that had an interaction with me is like a fan. They had a good interaction, you know, and yeah. they left being more of a fan um, than when they met me, you know. I even had some people <laughs> that didn't like me just because I was from the, you know, I was, I was fighting their guy or whatever. Yeah. And then after our interaction, they were a fan. Yeah. You know? And that's what I am most and proud of. That's big, man. I mean, that really is big. That um, I got I got asked one time um, for an autograph. Oh, yeah? So, like, horse trainers don't get asked for it. Someone asked Todd. Come I on. Was, I was doing a, a clinic down in Mexico. Oh, yeah. And um, and so, you know, that's horse horses and horse trainers are a big like, yeah. thing in Mexico. That's that is actually like more like a you know sports star or something. Yeah. That and soccer. Yeah. And um and so I was down there and this I remember I, I was doing a clinic and after I got done doing the clinic, this uh these couple of kids came up and asked me for an autograph and I was like, you know, and I'm in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Right. The, I could have been, you know, I could have just owned a horse. <laughs> yeah. And they yeah. would have, you know, wanted an autograph. And um and they asked for my autograph. I was like like so instead of giving you know like i'll give you my autograph but let's be friends too like yeah hey, like it's not like hey what so what's your name is you know so what do you, do you ride a horse too and like mm. it was just it was like i wanted to do more than that like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to just sign that and thanks and whatever else it was like no no no. like let me take an interest in you i wanted to yeah. i wanted to know like i wanted them to feel like they were just as, as special about it yeah and, and part of it too right yep. that <laughs> that was it was kind of but it also can felt kind of weird yeah it <laughs> wanting that autograph i'm like no, i don't know like is that a it, autograph? It, i just, don't think it ever stops maybe i mean maybe if weird. you're huge huge and you just get over it or i guess if you grew up doing it like a justin bieber it wouldn't be weird right that but would be i don't know that was different that would be <laughs> yeah. that'd be a nightmare but for yeah, me like wear my hair like that. yeah <laughs> but for me it never stopped being weird because and it it goes back to something we've talked about in past podcast is uh, like so many people put out the fa false reality on social media and it's not it's just it is what it is but fans see you if that fans say watch you you know when you're competing in reigning and they see that that they see you the reigning horse trainer not even mm -hmm. actually a trainer they see you as the showman right, right. that's all they see they don't see the family man they don't see the guy doing these chores <laughs> around the house this or that and it's the same in any sport and so I remember, I distinctly remember um, 
like the first time that someone stopped me like back in my hometown at this big shopping center shopping mall for an autograph this kid and he was with his family and like his family were like all excited too and the kid came over and i was eating a kebab i don't know what you guys call them it's like where it's like shaved meat we call them a kebab shaved meat and salad rolled up on this like like a lebanese flatbread oh yeah i was eating this kebab spilling it all over myself like dribbling it down my chest and whatever. And this kid came and asked me for an autograph and I looked at his dad all excited that he was coming over and I was like, oh, sure. But I was in my head, I was like, dude, you should get an autograph off your dad, you know, because like he's got your family like here. He's obviously doing a great job. Like everyone was dressed well and Mm. happy and fed and stuff. And I'm like... I'm here. I'm just a single dude spilling a kebab on myself, man. And you even, I don't even, you got a napkin? Yeah, I'm like, I'm a mess, mate. Like, I'll probably forget to pay my phone bill this month and I'm spilling a kebab on myself and you want my autograph and your dad is excited for you to get my autograph. Like, I just hope that kids like that realize, like, how much they've got too. Like, I wanted to say to him, but I didn't want to ruin the moment. And yeah, be like, yeah. But I just wanted to be like, dude, go give your dad a hug because... Yeah. The, the reason you can even watch a sport and enjoy what I do is because your dad is out there working. Uh, so you have a TV, you know? So that's, that's, that reminds me of a, a time. Like, so I did my first, um, I think it was my first, first, my first uh, jujitsu tournament. And, um, and it, it was a, it was a little Naga tournament in yeah. San Antonio. Right. And um, so I'm all like, you know, I'm not gonna do this, and I'm all excited. My first tournament and everything else, and and um, I don't even think I was like a two stripe white belt. Right? I was like, you know, yeah, I'm gonna do this, right? And um, and I go and do, and there was like one other old guy. <laughs> so there's only two of us, right? And and our and we both entered the nogi and the geese, right? So mm-hmm. me and him both had to fight each other again, right? And I remember um. I was just so stoked. And, you know, this guy was, this dad was, uh, uh, you know, he was definitely not, you know, a horse trainer and mm-hmm. definitely was not as physical as what I, you know, yeah. at the time was, you know, for sure. And, and, um, I dismantled the old man, <laughs> but, um, we got done and, uh, and, and, and I think I even made him tap to, uh, the pressure of, I had his back. And um and he tapped the pressure before I even got to him. Oh. Yeah. So like I and when I, I was like he was face down mm-hmm. and I like killed it. Right. Oh. And and uh and we got done and you know, you know how like the old guys when they when they get through that's always like hugs and you know, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And uh and he gets up and uh and he goes, Man, he goes, That was really good. Um, I just got in here because my I was doing it with my son. I wanted yeah. that and I was like, Oh. So we like we were walking out after you know you get your hand raised yeah. or whatever and and his son and, and I had my my kids there too yeah. right and um and we come walking out and his son was standing next to the you know mats whenever mm-hmm. we came off and stuff we walking over to the stage to get our you know picture or whatever and um and I I looked over at his old boy and I was like dude your dad was tough, man. Yeah. I oh wow, but that was really good. He used and you should have seen that kid's eyes beam yeah. after that. You know, it's like that, like that was worth every bit of it. Like yeah. I couldn't imagine have not doing something yeah, like that. Exactly. Right? Hey. Like that was like that that dad, man, 
that was the coolest thing that he did. He could have done, you know, like he was probably just a desk jockey, yeah. you know, but stepped in there because his son, you know, was in there, you know, uh, you know, doing jujitsu too. Yeah. And he wanted him to be confident to go and compete. And like how, and you see that all the time in jujitsu, right? Yeah. I mean, like how many times do you see the, the, you know, adult classes, all the dads you know, yeah. staying around afterwards? Yeah, exactly. And it's so important. Like, I think we, for you, it's easy to forget the importance of that, of just leading by, you don't have to be world-class or even oh, like make a difference in that. just, just to teach your kids effort. Yeah. You know? Like that's the thing is, uh. It's almost better if you're not talented because then your kids aren't like, yeah, my dad's the best at it. It's just that you see, my dad puts in effort you know, yeah. and he turns up all the time. Oh, it's the worst. Like for my kids, when we go to do, you know, riding, they're like, well, I can't ride as good as you. I'm like, well, I've been doing it for like 30 yeah. years longer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, and that's a tough, that's a tough deal. Right. Mm. But it's almost better if you, you know, you don't have to be, you know, great. Yeah, man, greatness is so, in so many different ways, right? Yeah, yeah. And and and, and a good example is probably like my dad and your dad. Mm. I'm like my dad and your dad weren't like you know your dad didn't fight in the UFC. And yeah, my dad didn't show horses for a living. Yeah, you know they were just great dads. Yeah, that's right? it. That's just what... because they were great dads. Yeah, and I'm so I always I think that so much now and like I've always been really grateful for my family and my parents, um, but. I'm sure it's the same with everyone. The older you get and the more you see, and I don't even have kids of my own yet, but I just see just that what my, both my parents did for me, you know, and, yeah. and as a man, I, the influence my dad had through, he didn't even tell me specific lessons. He didn't try to control me or mm -hmm. anything. He just led by example, just being one of the greatest human beings ever. And it just, and it like, a great man and a great example of what a man is as, as far as a, a leader and a provider and being strong, but kind, you know, and I saw that with him and my, um, my pop who was, as I said, like my best friend growing up and then my granddad. So my dad's dad, he passed away when I was only two, but the stories I hear of him are legendary. <clears throat> and then his dad, you know, I hear legendary, like funny stories of those yeah. guys, like all the O'Reilly, guys in my lineage are just like funny funny storyteller funny dudes like my granddad would go to parties he would go out with my dad's friends and then they'd lose him but but he but they'd lose him and they'd find him at a party hours later just being the life of the party bomb diving off the roof into a pool as like a dad but but still like obviously doing a good a great job to teach my dad the life lessons that he needed to become the great man he is so it's yeah. it's funny how uh that and 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 that influences me too even though i don't i'm i don't remember my granddad um because he passed away when i was so young the stories and like the legacy that i feel i've got to uphold for the men that i that i've that have come before me is a huge thing that i that i uh you know, that I try to do. It's a, it's a weight that I'm happily, I happily carry. Oh, you know, um, that's, that says a little bit about, you know, the, the bad part of society nowadays, you know, it's the trying to glorify yourself instead of, you know, you know, being humble in what you do. And it's not about, you know, the, the making it always look so good. So glamorous. So everything else like, man, 
it's not a good thing. Yeah, that, that's, it, that's not a good thing. You don't you don't see that guy <clears throat> who's so self centered and so you know has to be right, has to be the best, has to do all that. Like you don't see that legacy carrying on. Mm, that's you know, hey, and that's man, it's a. I don't know. Like I know every generation. They probably are like, oh, the good old days, you know, back in my time, this wouldn't mm. happen, whatever. But, it, and I'm sure that has happened for every generation since the beginning of time. But I really, there's the the way uh, that we're he- we're heading. Mm. Uh, it it it's it's a it can be it worries me. It's you know? worrisome. Yeah, yeah I mean, it definitely is worrisome. I I I I worry about it. I worry about it with my kids and stuff. Yeah, but I think you know what. <clears throat> I think that is, there's a couple of different reasons why we're doing this, Mm. right? I think there's a, um, you know, one is because, you know, we enjoy meeting people and learning, Mm. you know, different. I love learning. I love, you know, knowing more and and that. But um, I think one of the big things is being able to share with other people that, um, success does not come without struggle Mm -hmm. you know that success doesn't come um with this instant gratification you know of you know i can you know shake my butt on tiktok and you know (laughs) and all of a sudden i'm a i'm a millionaire and now now i gotta shake it more and i gotta shake it more often and you know and show more of it and that's Mm -hmm. how we it's it's just not there's no honor in that Mm. you know and there's no true satisfaction in that yeah right and and sometimes that which looks so glamorous is not that glamorous yeah oh yeah, yeah. far from it hey. far from it yeah you know? it's and 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 that comes i think honestly i feel like there's well it's either it can go two ways it's just going to keep going full throttle forward the way it is and you know things aren't great but i i do feel that there's gonna it's just getting too extreme to where the people that are perpetuating it now are going to come out and be honest you know to soon like the same people that are putting up those videos and um making younger the younger generation go i want to be a youtube star you know not that that's wrong not that i'm saying that that in itself is wrong but if it's if you're going to be a youtube star by selling out and Mm -hmm. selling out your values or you know then that there's that can be a problem right and when Mm -hmm. you when you times that by millions of people um that's a big problem as a collective like collective conscience or a collective uh like a community and uh and i think obviously yeah technology is imp- is developing so fast and there's not um you know i think we need more people talking about like just self reflection the ability to self reflect and be real and be honest about your the effect of your actions on other people well and yeah but i think also is understanding um you know the idea the desire to be legendary Mm. the desire to be um you know make your mark if you really do want to make your mark Mm. it's not making the you know you will make a mark Mm. on something, you know, as far as if you're going to, you know, make the, 
you know, Hall of Fame of something. Mm. You want to be legendary? It's your legacy that's legendary. Yeah, yeah. It's what you leave for your family, for other people, for yeah. that's legendary. Right? And, when, and when you look at legacies like that, when you when if you look at people who have truly left a legacy, it's not in the act, the tasks and the actions. It's in the it's in like uh, what's that saying? There's a saying like carve your name on hearts, not not stone. You know, like oh, that's the, a good one. The the uh, so the people that are truly legendary in, as far as a legacy goes, they carved their name on hearts. You know, the they changed people within themselves it's not they didn't just set records because exactly. records can be broken right yeah. and you and if you look at if you look at people of the past say like uh that really put made an impact regardless of let's just pick say muhammad ali regardless of whether you like what he did or how he did it or whatever his legend his his legacy is you can't you can't stop that thing and when you look at his record, his like his fights, and he had lost. There's guys out there that have had no losses. He had losses. You look at things like that. So people aren't looking at his record, his fight record, or whatever. Exactly. They're looking at the 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 people that he changed. His impact. The impact that he had. Yeah. yeah. And um. And I think we've lost that today with everyone like being able to look at that. Uh, metrics and data and how many followers do you have how many subscribers yeah. do you have how much money are you making from those subscribers how and it's all it's not about am i putting out a message that even matters yep you know yep oh and, and you know that's great i this, i think this is why this is the purpose and and why we want to do the introduction mm -hmm. a little bit to find out you know you know the same thing in the interviews with all these guys you know and stuff and and, and even in the you know as we go later on with more business guys and, mm. and guys in business, right. Mm. That, you know, it is about impact, right. Yeah. I, I, it's about impact. It's about being legendary. Legendary is, you know, yeah. how you impact the legacy, yeah. you know, of, you know, <clears throat> of everything instead of it, right. Your own family, the other people you inspire to around you, you know, coaches have a huge role in that. Mm. Right. I mean, some of the most impactful people are their coaches. Yeah. And we know that from going in the coaching entity of yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. But um, but this is great. I mean, this is, you know, to kind of find the heart of, of you know, where somebody's coming from. What's yeah. the intent, you know. Um, so it's kind of a, a good deal to to go and visit and get to know a little bit about, you know, how you got beat up by a girl when you were a little girl when you were young. And <laughs> Yeah, and was, and uh, <laughs> it's a yeah. I can't wait a, to meet Tara. Oh man, she's you wouldn't believe it now. She like <clears throat> butter wouldn't melt. She's get an now. MMA name now too, Tara the Terror. <laughs> yeah, no, she's great. We obviously she's still like one of my best friends, it, 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 even though she's my sister. So I'm so I'm just yeah so grateful for the life I've had and am still having and and uh, yeah. It's, it's cool man it's a cool, cool it's a it's a cool journey and i just uh am enjoying trying to give my biggest thing now is trying to give back through just me like little messages like this i don't feel like i got i don't feel like people need to hear what i'm saying because it's that important but if they can get something out of it and don't make say a mistake i made or something like that I, that's why i'm excited about being able to do the podcast and uh and you know what before we stop, I want to say this too, just because of the old, at the moment, and this is happening a lot, the whole cancel culture thing. And uh, 
Man, Wait, back. I'm sorry, we have time's up. <laughs> <laughs> I've been cancelled. Todd's cancelled me. Um, just like we've all been offended. Like we've all like if if I went through life and nothing ever affected. Like if I was able to shut down everything that actually made me feel a bit uncomfortable, mm-hmm. even if it's even if it's unfair. So people have said things to me that it's not. Uh, that I'm not saying there's some ob- obviously like really horrific things that have never been okay. And it's not like uh, now they're just becoming bad. They've never been okay to say, right? But if we start bringing the bar lower and lower and lower on what we can cancel, or what you do is you're not helping anyone. You're making people's skin thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner yeah, to where you're creating a whole generation of people that are not equipped to deal with any resistance, well, you know? And I think, you know, there is a consequence. There is a consequence to shutting up that guy that says the offensive stuff too, Yeah. right? That that guy has a voice. Mm. Even he, if he says the things that are the most offensive, asinine stuff there is, mm. right? He, he should, you should allow him to say it mm. so you know who he is. Yeah, 100%. Like what the hell is wrong with hearing some, you know, asshat say something yeah. that's offensive, right? I mean, he has the right to say it. Yeah. And you know what? I have the right to know that he would say that. I want to know what kind of guy he is. Shut him up and I don't know, mm. you know? And, and and you know, you can be offended, but I'm offended by yeah. a lot of stuff, right? So what? Yeah. But you know what? Shutting that guy up. All it does is it puts that guy in hiding and he's just, so you don't think a thin skin doesn't do anything for anybody. Right. Yeah. And, and you shut him up. Mm. Right. Then it gives you the right, the power to shut up anybody that just doesn't, because it's not the, they didn't say something loving and, and want to give you hugs and kisses. Yeah. Look, I am. I I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that love wins. Yeah. Like, yeah. You got that right. Love yeah. does win, right? But hiding evil, mm. like what the hell do you think you're doesn't doing? Doesn't go away. Yeah. It, it does hiding it just goes into like you're it's just as evil to hide it. Yeah, it's it's worse because like you said, you can't see it. No, it's gotta the only way you take care of evil, the only way that you overcome evil is by bringing it to light. Yeah. You don't, it doesn't get smaller and whatever by yeah. hiding in the corner. That thing yeah. festers and becomes a bigger deal hiding yeah. in the corner. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the, and the other thing too, before we got off track, but Hold on, I, we're I, gonna, we're gonna I, think, I think it's important. <laughs> so you need to hear it. No, you, know, you um, screwed up by not going to the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, is all, like for me as as I get older and I I think I'm getting wiser. Is there's been times in my past personally where that someone said something that might have offended me a little bit. You know, I was like, oh, that was a bit, was a bit that was harsh. Yeah, but then you know what? Like whether it's six months or a year or ten years later, I go, you know what? Like, oh, I still might not totally agree with that person, or you know their whole message or everything, but that thing they said that kind of, it didn't really sit that well with me and it kind of, it, they were kind of right. And yeah. and it took me, it took me accepting something about myself or being more self-reflective to be, to go, 
so ultimately it was a good thing and yes. and and you know like that i it, and sometimes i'm offensive right i know it's hard to believe no I'm, I, I can't believe I'm it not, i don't I, believe it i'm such a quiet guy <laughs> <laughs> that um and nobody knows what's going on in this brain of mine because <laughs> Um, just so you know, there's a, there's a couple of holes in the filter between my head and my mouth. Um, but I know I've said things yeah. where, you know, I have been offensive, right? I mean, I did no, no doubt. And I didn't mean to be, it yeah. wasn't, that wasn't in my intent was to be offensive or yeah. to try to hurt somebody else's feelings yeah. and stuff. But, um, when I was called out on those, mm. like, if I wasn't called out, if I didn't have somebody come and correct me on it, mm. you know, even though I didn't think I should be corrected, but if I didn't have somebody call me out and correct me on it, how would I adjust and grow? Yeah. Yeah. How do I know that I'm being, so you know, true, right? I mean, like you've got, to, I, the only way I adjust and grow is for somebody to tell me that. Yeah. And it might hurt my feelings a little yeah. bit in the process, but you know what? That's how I grow. Yeah. And, and for me also, I've been in positions where like, uh, I would I would say something like you know I used to be a lot more you know black and white like I had to it had to either be ultimately good or ultimately bad like mm -hmm. I had to uh, there was no gray area and 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 I would be I would might say something I know I've done this plenty and I probably still do it and I still will do it my whole life and I'll admit when I'm wrong but I would say something with such conviction you know and then someone might say oh, I have a great great friend who's he's a he's an incredible great martial artist too he's a great coach of mine a great mentor simon simon cloth uh he i'll give him a shout out and he's so great because he's heard me say some things that like with such conviction and he'll go brandon i don't i don't agree with you and but this is why and we talk about it and he'd just say it in, in a way that he wasn't calling me an idiot and he wasn't he wasn't getting offended but he would he would state what he thought and i would state what i thought and I might leave still believing what I thought, but going, I'm glad he at least talked to me about it, you know? And then five years later, after experiencing more of life and learning more things and going through different challenges or whatever, I'd be like, you know what? I now see what he meant, you know? Like mm -hmm. I can see, I see now what he meant. And that didn't mean that at the time I was an asshole when I said it, or he was an asshole when he disagreed with me. Uh, can I say asshole? Anyway, I've said it now. Please don't kick us off Spotify. Yeah, and now uh, we gotta put explicit. I don't think yeah, that's even a bad. That's word not a bad anymore. word anyway. Anymore. But what it, it just meant. But we were able see. Like the the my point is, I didn't get cancelled. He didn't shut me out. He like conversed with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's um, where you grow, though. That's how. That's how. That's how we learn and grow and change. And if and if a person is always, imagine if we were all held to that when we've said something dumb or done something bad, if we were always held to that person forever now, that's kind of what cancel culture is doing. Mm -hmm. So, so if, a, and, and there's plenty of people out there that are saying some, some bad stuff on both sides of the line, but you've also got to realize that those people have the opportunity to change and grow. And we can't, we can't pin, pin them there as that person forever. And that's what we want to do is uh, uh, in today's culture is um, do that. So anyway, we've got off track. But my point of bringing this up was uh, I just wanted to say at the end of this episode that because I'm really passionate about it is don't hide from 
from hard things and resistance. And I say it usually in the context of tough things in life scenarios, whether it's work or whether it's a sport where you're getting where you're getting um, obstacles. But one thing that for me now is becoming more and more important is also be a bit slower to the trigger of like canceling people um, and 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 see it as a challenge of allowing it to be there, even if it is something that's hor- horrible that someone said, al- allow it to be said and, and, and work on your ability to handle it, you know? Yeah. Hiding, hiding evil is not a good thing either. Yeah, definitely. You know, it is not. Uh, and, and the only way to know it and know what bad is, is to expose it, mm-hmm. you know, to have it brought out into the light and like, it's crazy to try and cancel it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's crazy. You know, you're, you're going to, yeah, you're going to, you're going to make it grow in a dark corner. Exactly. And I think <laughs> if, if we keep going on the path that we're on, as far as that goes, we'll see that like raise its ugly head in a few years because what it will yeah, have done is, is push that evil underground mm-hmm. and it will have fested and grown underground. And then it's got to erupt somewhere, you know, yeah. like a hoof abscess. <laughs> It's got to come out. That's right. You know? And if you don't know what a hoof abscess is, just go on YouTube, uh, hoof abscess, uh, you know, removal or something, and you'll see what happens if you if you don't get the evil out. But yeah, it's so pretty. Anyway, well, way off topic, but it was good. It was good. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Brendan O'Reilly. Thanks for tuning in to my, uh, my uh, introduction with many tangents. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Go Time Podcast with Todd Martin and Brendan O'Reilly. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Go Time Ranch so you can come work with us each day to learn, have fun, and be inspired. For information on bookings and merchandise, please visit www.gotimeranch.com.